face seeable. Well, good morning. Glad you guys are here this morning. Hey, uh, um, as you came in, you probably got a bulletin, a uh, little half sheet piece of paper. And at the bottom, there's a thing we call the connect card. Uh, you can fill that out or you can go to mymcc.info. And uh, there's a spot right at the top that says connect card. You can click on that and you can fill it out on your phone or on a tablet. Um, it would be weird if you brought a laptop in here, but if you did bring a laptop, you can, you can do it that way as well. Um, and uh, it's a way that we love to get connected with you. And there's some information, some resources there. But then also, um, when you turn in a connect card, whether digitally or on paper, we get together every week as a staff, and we pray over those, and so we'd love to be praying with you and for you, and so um, we'd love for you to take a moment to fill that out. Um, and uh, we are going to take communion. We take communion as a church every week, and so we're going to pass some trays, and there'll be two cups stacked on top of one another, and uh, if you'll take both of them out and hold them, in a moment I'm going to come back up and we'll take communion together as a family. And so if I get some individuals to come and pass the trays, that would be wonderful. And we ended taking communion together. And uh, Joe and Carol Hoover, who are, who are actually here this morning, part of our church, um, led us in taking communion together. And, and they said some really beautiful things that I, that I, that I just wanted to kind of reflect on today. Uh, one of the things that they talked about was that when we come to communion, um, we come to enter into the presence of God, but we don't come alone. We come because we are the body of Christ. We come together as a family. And so Joe in particular, when we were taking communion, he encouraged us when we took the piece of bread and, and the juice to look around. That there's something mysterious 
the Bible would use, this kind of terminology, mysterious, something powerful about when we are amongst one another, that the presence of God is in that place and in that space in something unique and different kind of way. That we are one together, the body of Christ, and so we come together. You see, when, when the message we believe of the gospel, that we were saved, we weren't just saved out of something. Many of you were saved out of some really incredible things. But you were also saved into something. You were saved into a new family. You were saved into a new community. You were saved into the Bible, would use the word of a new body, that we are one together. And the Bible actually even says of this body, it says not only are we a part of this body, but it says that actually Jesus Christ is a part of this body, that Jesus Christ is the head of this body. And there's this really weird passage when it's talking about this. It, it says um, in this passage, it says, um, would the head say to the feet, I have no need of you? And right before that, when Paul's writing, he says this, he, he, he talks about that Jesus is the head. You see, there's something so beautiful about our interdependence upon one another that even Jesus wouldn't say to the feet, even Jesus wouldn't say to us, a part of his body, I have no need of you. And so this morning, may we come as one body reminded that we have been saved from so much, but we've also been saved and bought to be sons and daughters of our King. And if you have, will you eat with me? If you are part of this new family, this new body, let us drink together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you this morning for all the things that you've saved us out of. The addiction, the brokenness, the bitterness, the anger, the regret, the remorse, the fear, the shame. But Lord, this morning we also come and we thank you that you've saved us into this family, into this body, that we might be one with you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, I am excited you're here. Are you excited to be here? Right? Like, first of all, the sun's shining again. Like, I don't know what happened to winter, but apparently we've just been blessed with it just raining at night. And this is amazing. And it's a Sunday, and it's awesome, and we get to be together. And I'm so glad that you guys are here and stoked that you're here for today. We're starting this series, This Is What We Do, and I get the awesome opportunity of talking to you about the blessing of generosity. (laughs) 
Okay, Jared gets cut off. <laughs> no more coffee for that fool, okay? <laughs> he hasn't been drinking coffee, he just eats coffee beans over there all. So by 12 o'clock, he's just twitching, right? Man! The blessing of generosity. This is what we do. Now, now here, let me, let me say this. Um, some of you... Some of you, even just in this moment, like you kind of began to panic a little bit and a little bit of anxiousness, and you're like, oh, why'd they bring a friend this Sunday, right? And, um, and some of you started to like be like, oh, this is a Sunday. I should have just like gone for a hike. It's nice and sunny and beautiful out. But let me tell you right off the front, okay? We're gonna spend three weeks. We got this series called This Is What We Do. Let me tell you right off the front why we're having this conversation. Because I, with every bit of marrow in my body believe that God's call for you to be generous is a gift. That God's call for you to live open-handed and generous is his gift of graciousness to you, to remove your hands from the things of this world that are consuming and rotting your soul and to attach them to himself. And so this morning, this morning we're going to talk about the gift of generosity. This is what we do. Now, um, raise your hand. Okay, be bold. Be bold. Be bold. Okay, no shame in here. How many of you? How many of you feel like you're a generous person? Like you want to be a generous person? Raise your hand if you want to be a generous person. Right? Okay. Okay. If you don't have your hand up, you're a bad person. Um, <laughs> Jesus still loves you. Right? Anyway, I'm kidding. Okay. Um, We'll want to be generous. And, and I would agree that in these seats, in, in my life, uh, I've been the lead pastor here for seven years, um, uh, some of the most generous people I've ever met in my life have sat in these seats. Just, I mean, over seven years, the stories, the stories of just incredible graciousness and generosity and living open-handed and people over and over again throughout the years who've sat in these seats who've been willing to give the shirt off their back for someone, for someone a lot of times they've never even met right? Just the incredible generosity. Here's one of the problems, though. Here's where the rub is. Most of us want to be generous, and most of us actually think we are generous, but we're not. And I think part of the tension is that most of us don't think that we are rich, and yet we are. Let me share you with you a couple stats. There's a lot of them out there. Um, if you go to mymcc.info, you can go to the, the sermon notes and you can find a lot more. But let me just share a couple with you. Um, the average churchgoer today gives away, churchgoer, not American, the average churchgoing American gives away 2.8% of their income. Now, now here, here's, the, here's the, the rub, right? You might be thinking, yeah, well, you know, if we just made a little bit more money, Right? You know how much people who make more than 100000 give away? 2.6% less. Here's, 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 here's a shameful, uncomfortable reality. You know how much uh, churchgoers gave away during the Great Depression? When families were lining up in soup lines, you know how much they gave away? 3.3%. 3.3%. See, a lot of us want to be generous. And a lot of us even believe that we are generous. But most of us don't realize how rich we are. Let me, let me share with you 
A couple stats. Um, 80% of the world lives on less than $10 a day. Think about this. If your household income is more than $4,000 a year, you make more money than 80% of the world. But it doesn't feel that way, does it? Here's another one, and this may not apply to all of us because um, we have a, a, a wide variety of economic um, levels in this church, of income levels in this church, so it may not apply to you, but just to give you some perspective of w- what reality looks like, according to World Vision, if you make more than $50,000 as a household, okay, if you make more than $50,000 as a household, you might be a college student and be like, I make $57 a year, Okay. If you make more than $50,000 as a household, the average income in Monmouth Independence is $42,000. So we're right on that threshold, okay? If you make more than $50,000, you are in the top 1% of the world. You are in the top 1%. Top 1%. But see, here's the deal. I don't want to spend the next 25 minutes that we have together like trying to beat you and make you feel bad or guilt you or um, demean you because it really is, we're having this conversation because I want to pastor you well and I believe that God's called to us to be generous with what we have. Everything that we have is a gift to us. And so for the next 25 minutes, we're going to talk about the gift of what it is to be generous. You see, the reality is that a lot of us don't give, not because we don't want to, but because we feel that we can't. A lot of us, because of the way we grew up, or the economy, or, or your job, or what you've been told, or because you watch too much news and the whole world is coming apart, it seems. If you watch too much news, I saw someone's post the other day, it said, you know what's good for your soul? Turn off the news and go outside and breathe some fresh air, okay? That might just be some good advice for all of us. Okay, but a lot of us live in like the American culture and actually um, uh, advertising is built upon you living in this mindset that we have this graphic that we can throw up here that's called the scarcity mindset. Okay, and so th- this is the way most of us live that God supplies, that God God supplies, and that's a really important foundational truth to understand, that God supplies. I I used to do college ministry, and um, a college, if you're a college student, this isn't intended to bemean you, belittle you, this is just reality, we've all been there, is um, it's easy in college, especially when you're at a university like Western Oregon that you had to get into, and you had to work hard, and you had to, and it cost money, and all that kind of stuff, um, to develop a little bit of an arrogance, and to think that what got you to where you were is your hard work which is maybe part of it, right? And that you worked hard and, and you put in the hours and you studied for your finals and so you, you grinded so you could get through your bachelor's degree in five and a half years and you just pushed, right? And then you pushed to get the internship hours and the volunteer hours to get the resume built up to get the job and then you earned it and we all can very quickly develop this attitude that we earned it. I used to tell college students this all the time. I'd ask them this. So, um, so, so what did you do in, in the womb uh, to, to, to give yourself a brain that could understand complex abstract ideas? Like, like how much grunting did you do in the womb that could develop these lungs and this heart that could provide enough oxygen to all of your body to make you an able-bodied person to travel around, that could provide enough oxygen to your brain for you to like grind 20 hours in a day and live off of three hours of sleep a night, which is what every college student does for the second half of every term when you realize that you didn't do the work you're supposed to do the first half of the term. Amen? Right? Okay? God supplies for every one of us. We consume, and then we lack. 
And then what happens when you don't have enough? What happens when, you, when you're three days away from a paycheck and you don't have enough money for food? What happens when you're uh, a couple days away from a paycheck and that, that E on your, on your vehicle is getting closer and closer to empty? What, what happens when that credit card bill just keeps, keeps to accumulate and the minimum um, payment isn't quite enough? And, and have you done this, right? You get the mail and you get the credit card bill and it's in the mail and you don't even want to open it because you don't want to have to look at it. It just sits there on the counter. We fear. And it then throws us into this, we self-medicate with consuming, and then we lack, and then we fear, and we self-medicate with consuming. And so then we lack and we fear. And this is the mentality. This is, um, um, in America, it's what we call living paycheck to paycheck. Most of us live in this scarcity mentality, but God is giving us a gift in inviting us to live a different way. So if you have your Bibles, uh, 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians 9, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. There's one in the seat back, or you can go, like I said, mymcc.info. You can go there, and you can follow along, and all the verses are there for that. 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 7, it says this. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly, or in response to pressure, right? Can we just start there? Can we just have that conversation real quick here? Just because we're talking about generosity today does not negate what Paul writes here in 2 Corinthians 9. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. This morning, if the response, if the feeling you feel is pressure to give to satisfy me, or pressure to give to satisfy God, or pressure unto yourself to convince yourself that you're a good person, then don't give. In fact, you know, actually, in fact, today, um, we're, we're not passing the offering satchels anymore. Today's the end of passing the offering satchels. We're not doing that anymore. So the, there's no, like, have you ever been to a church? <laughs> Which one in college? I only went once because it was real weird. I went to school in East Tennessee, and basically in East Tennessee, it's, it's about a 50-50 gamble if you're going to go into the weirdest experience you've ever met in your life, or like a regular church, okay? Snake handling, all that kind of weird stuff happens in East Tennessee, okay? And I went to a church one time, went to go visit a church one time, and uh, they passed the offering at the end of service, and then apparently someone counted or just eyeballed how much was in the, the offering, and the pastor got up and said, we're sending it around again. Because some of you are stealing from God. I'm like, whoa. No, we're not. Like, if, you, if you're going to give today, there's boxes. We always tell you this. There's boxes you leave. There's boxes you can give there. You can give online. You can go to mymstead.info. You can give there if you want to give. But we're not going to pass because I don't want you to think the reason we're having this conversation is because we want to guilt you into writing a check or giving today. Don't give reluctantly. In response, we've said this for years, God is not honored in your begrudging submission. That's exactly where this comes from. But it says this, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. The word there has this idea behind it of laughter, of joy, of so much happiness that it exudes in your body. That you give with so much excitement and passion that you can't quite sit still. That it affects your body because you have such joy at the opportunity to be able to give. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. 
Verse 8, and God will generously provide all you need. That, that's maybe a truth that some of you need to like write on your mirror today. God will generously provide all you need. In, in fact, there's another verse where Paul's writing. He says that he'll um, give you all that you need for your enjoyment. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. And then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. When we live open-handed and generous, God increases, that God increases what we've given to him, what we've entrusted to him. It says that, that God will always provide enough for us, that God will increase and grow our generosity. And so there's a different way that the Bible invites us to live. It's, it's this. This is the, 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 the cycle that the Bible invites us to, is, is to trust and understand that God is the one who supplies everything that we have. And then the first thing we do is we give. The first thing we do with what God's entrusted to us is we give back. We give to him. We give to what he's doing. We give. We live open-handed and we live generous. And then it says, the scriptures tell us, 2 Corinthians is a good example, that God multiplies. That God multiplies. That we believe that this is what we believe as a church. This is what I believe. That God can, that God can do more with 90% than you can do with 100 that if you trust God and live open-handed with what God's entrusted you with, that he will increase. Did you just see that it says in 2 Corinthians 9? That God will increase what he's entrusted to you so that you won't lack. And that when you see God multiply, we're going to talk about this next week with the feeding of the 5,000. When you see God multiply, it just causes your faith to grow. And when your faith grows, you want to give more. And then when you give more, God multiplies it. And when you give more, when God multiplies, your faith grows. And when, go, when your faith grows, you give more. And when you give more, God multiplies it. And it just creates this cycle that fuels your faith. Here, here's one of the reasons that I want to talk to you about um, generosity and disciplined generosity is because many of you sit in this room feeling apathetic and distant from God. You feel apathetic and distant. And, and there's this verse, Jesus says this. You remember this? He says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. It's not a coincidence that when we live stingy, when we live with closed hands, when we live in fear, when we live in scarcity, that we feel distant from the provider. But when we live open-handed and we trust, it grows our faith in monumental and mighty ways. And if this morning, if you feel distant from God, I would challenge you. I would challenge you to step out in faith and to trust him with your resources. It's, it's interesting that a lot of times trusting God with our finances is the last thing we want to do in growing in our relationship. And yet it seems like it's the first thing Jesus is always focusing on because he knows where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So God invites us to a new type of cycle because we believe that disciplined generosity breaks the cycle of scarcity and creates a new cycle of supply. That it breaks the cycle of fear and it creates a new cycle of faith. 
You see, the most common language the Bible uses when it's talking about this gift of generosity is what the Bible calls a tithe. It literally means a tenth, okay? It comes from Hebrew. It literally means a tenth. And so this idea that you would give a tenth of what you have. And, and you might ask, you might have been around church long enough, you may have heard opinions, you may ask, you may be like, well, does tithing really matter today? Um, uh, I heard one pastor say that tithing is a great floor, it's a really horrible ceiling, right? Um, tithing actually originated before the Old Testament law. Abraham, before the law, he, he gave a tithe to Melchizedek. He gave a tithe to God to honor God. He gave to this, this priest, Melchizedek. Um, Jesus, you know, you might say, well, we're under the new covenant. Jesus never said anything about the tithe. He actually did. Uh, Matthew 23, 23, you can look it up. He says this. He says, you tithe the mint and the dill, but you lack the greater parts of the law, justice and mercy, right? You tithe the mint. This is what Jesus is saying. This is basically what Jesus is saying. He's like, He's like yeah, yeah, yeah. You do the entry-level stuff. Like, this is just what we do, we tithe, like that's easy, but discovering justice and mercy and what that means, that's the complicated. This is just what we do. We just give. We live open-handed. We trust God. We believe he's a sustainer. He's the one who provides everything for all of us, that he is the one who's blessed us and that it is all his and that we entrust him with what we have. That's just what we, that's just what we do. So this morning with the 10 minutes that we have left, I want to give you, some of you are going to love this because you're note takers, I'm going to give you three points of why discipline, generosity, why tithing is, is one of the most faith building, why it's so important to God that you live open-handed and generous with what he's entrusted you with. So the first one is this, if you, you don't have to turn there, I'm just going to read it to you, it's just one verse. Deuteronomy 14, 23, it says this, the purpose, this is what it says, okay? Came across this a week or two ago. I'm going to be honest, I didn't know this verse was in here. <laughs> Am I not supposed to say that? Did I just undercut all your confidence in my ability to study the Bible? Deuteronomy 14, 23, it says this, the purpose of tithing, kind of an important verse, right? Like God's going to say right here, I'm going to tell you why I tell you to tithe, right? The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. You see, the tithe isn't actually just 10%. The Bible, when it talks about discipline and generosity, when it talks about tithing, it's actually the first 10%. Because it doesn't take any faith to trust God with what's left over. It takes, God, it takes faith to trust God with the first 10%. And you see, God teaches us to be disciplined in our generosity through things like tithing because tithing teaches us to put God first. Every single month that comes along that you get a paycheck and you sit down and you give first, you're reinforcing to your heart and to your soul. I mean, how uncomfortable and how difficult it is some of those times, right? Um, if you write checks, if you don't know what a check is, you can Google it. Um, I'm, uh, I'm sure the History Channel will do a documentary on it soon. I gotta be honest, I haven't written a check in seven years. Anyways. There was that thing going around about like when you write checks, you should put the date and then put 2020 because someone could change it. If you just write 20, they could change it like 2017 or whatever, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> who, who writes, anyways, I'm not gonna belittle you if you write checks. Um, <laughs> but there are those moments when choosing to be generous, when disciplining yourself, 
to put God first in your finances, whether it's through tithe or it's 3% or it's 100 bucks or it's 12% or it's 27, whatever it is, where the rubber's gonna meet the road and you're gonna have to take that check or, or however you give and, and it's gonna be uncomfortable and it's gonna be painful and there's gonna be a check in your spirit about, do I really want it? Maybe let's just wait a week or two and see how this kind of sorts out. Like, why don't we wait a little bit later in the month? Why don't we wait until like the 24th of the month? And, and, and then we'll make sure that it's still there. And, and then, but when we choose to put God first in our finances, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. When you put God first with your treasures, you will put God first in every other area of your life. It's incredible. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. It takes faith to give first. It's a gift. The second thing, point two, is uh, Malachi. Malachi 3, it says this. Let me read it to you. You've probably heard this before, but Malachi 3 says this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this. Look at that phrase. It occurs nowhere else in the Bible. Did you know that? It occurs nowhere else in the Bible. In fact, Jesus says the exact opposite thing. When he's tempted by, by Satan, he, he says, he says um, that you should not test the Lord your God. Right? That's one of his rebuttals to, um, to Satan. But it says right here, God says in Malachi 3, verse 10, only time of all scripture about the only thing, he says this in your generosity, test me. Test me. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out on you for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. Test me in this. Point two is the tithe builds faith. Test me. This is what God says. He, says. he says to you. He says, you don't believe me? Test me. In fact, um, uh, we, we say this phrase around here, and you just have to be around here long enough to believe that it's true. That we want for you, not from you. In fact, it's why um, we don't have financial peace. We don't have an opportunity for you to sign up for financial peace right now. But we do this thing called financial peace with Dave Ramsey. There's a group of people in the midst of it right now. And over the last seven years we've been doing it, we have never charged a single person for it. It costs us, let's just like be clear on the math. It costs us $119 every time a family wants to take it. But we think that it's so important for you to be able to figure out how to navigate. We want this gift for you. We want this resource for you. That over the last seven years, we've spent almost $10,000 on paying for people to go through Financial Peace University. Because we want for you. And maybe we don't have financial peace to go on for right now, but if, but if you need someone to sit down with you and kind of go over all of your bills and kind of help you figure out, if you've never built a budget and you need to figure out how to build a budget, then we have, we have actually a team of volunteers who do Financial Peace University that would love this next week or two to sit down with you and talk through your finances and help you figure out how can you choose to discipline, how can you choose to put God first in your generosity. Uh, no strings attached, no hook, no guilt, no, no bitterness, no shame, just sit down with you and go through and help you navigate a path forward. And if you'd like to do that, like take your connect card, 
on the prayer request spot and just write that in there, whether you do it on the digital one or on the paper one, and we'll get you set up with some of those people, and they'll sit down with you and kind of go through your finances and help you kind of navigate some of that stuff. Here's the other thing I'd tell you. God says this. He says, test me, right? You remember that? No, it's been a long time. Test me. So, so here's a challenge I'd give to you. Test him for three months. For three months, for 90 days, make a commitment, write on a connect card, whether a paper one or a digital one, that you wanna, that you wanna do the three-month test. You wanna challenge God for three months. And here's what you're gonna do. You fill out that card, and every single day for the next 90 days, our elder team is gonna pray for you. Every single day that God would increase your faith, that God would move in you, that God would grow in you, that God would bring about hope and peace and patience and restoration and reconciliation, that God would provide abundantly beyond your needs. And then at the end of the 90 days, we'll reach out to you. We'll give you a call and we'll say, hey, like what's been going on? What's life been like? What's God been doing? And if you are not confident that God came through on his promise, we will without question, without hesitation, without guilt, write you a check back for every single dollar you, you gave. Because we believe that God is able, that he is generous beyond comprehension. And he promised one time in the middle of this huge book, one time he makes this promise to you, test me. See if I don't pour open the heavens. I think it's really cool. We're probably going to talk about it more next week. Um, but it says that he'll open the storehouses of heaven. Um, what is heaven? Heaven, biblically, is actually just the, the un, uh, unlimited presence of God. So this is what God's saying to you. He says, test me and see if my presence does not overflow you like a flood and consume every bit of your life. Test me. The third thing is this is this tithe, I'll say this uh, unabashedly, the tithe provides for the work of the local church. Malachi 3, you remember that? It just says this, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Now here, I wanna do a little survey. You're gonna have to be bold and you're gonna have to be honest, okay? Uh, I want you to raise your hand, not yet, okay? I'm gonna give you a chance to hear the whole thing so you can do it with confidence, okay? If your life has in any way been positively impacted by a local church, Okay, that's what we're going to ask. If your life has been positively impacted by our church or any other church, would you raise your hand? Okay, now keep your hands up. Now look around. Look around. Uh, you can put your hands down. Here's what I want you to know. Somebody paid the bill for you. Somebody, for 20 years of my life, somebody paid the bill for me. That all those hands are in the air only because somebody else was willing to live open-handed and generous so that as Malachi say, so that there would be food, so that there would be spiritual food in the house of the Lord. Uh, I, <laughs> God, God is amazing and just like times out things perfectly. So um, this week, I'd give you the person's name so that you knew that this was true, um, but I, I didn't get permission from them, so I'm not going to. But this week I was meeting with someone, they were in my office, and, and this is exactly what happened. They went to walk out of my office, okay? They were walking out of my office, you with me? You know how people walk one foot in front of the other, okay? Have you seen it before? Let's go back. This is an important part. They're walking out of my office. They stopped at the door and they turned back and they said this. I'm not making this up, 100%. They said, hey, um, who pays for all this stuff? 
and I said the 400-some people who sit in those chairs every Sunday. That the generosity of people like you has allowed there to be an abundance of food, of spiritual food in the house of the Lord, that lives would be transformed and redeemed. Somebody else paid the bill for you. And so, God invites us to be generous, to live open-handed with all that we have. This is what we do. Because of what he's done, because of who he is, because of how good he's been to us, this is what we do. It's not complicated. It's not surprising. It's not guilt-ridden. It's, it, this is just what we do. In fact, um, I told, uh, uh, if you were here this last fall, you may have heard a time or two, I think I mentioned, um, this last fall I was invited to go down to Ashland, which is a cool town, right? If you're from Ashland, that's a cool, it's cool in kind of like a weird, odd kind of way, but it's a cool town. And um, I was invited to go down to Ashland um, to go speak with a bunch of leaders from all around the state. You know why? Because they wanted to know how do we encapsulate what's happening at Monmouth Christian Church and allow it to happen in other communities. Because leaders around the state have seen that there's something unique and different happening in this place of a people who live open-handed and generous for, for, the, for the welfare of their city, that they pray, that they live for the, for the kingdom of God to come in this place. And so I was invited to come down to come speak to other leaders about how do we make this happen in other cities? Because of you. Because this is what we do. Next week, we're going to show a video. Man, it's going to be awesome. I, saw, like, I, I had to restrain myself, just see myself being disciplined right here. Everybody observe. This is me being restrained. For all of those who think I have no filter, this is me having a filter. Okay? I so wanted to show you this video we did this last week, and we went and met with some people, and we asked them about the impact that this church has had on them, and it'll make you cry. So if you don't want to cry, don't come to church next week, okay? Otherwise, we put tissues in the seat backs in front of you, so just cry and, and just let it out, okay? That's amazing. Because of you. Because this is what we do. It's not impressive, it's not flashy, it's just, this is what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God, that we live open-handed, that we live generous, so that there's an abundance of food in the house of the Lord. A couple years ago, we... We had this burden for kids who are going back to school without sufficient supplies and resources, and we thought that it was, um, uh, that it was unacceptable. No matter the family situation, it was unacceptable that a kid would have to go to school and carry guilt or shame or a burden of their parents' situation in life. And so we started this thing we call Back to School Bash. The first time we did it was over, I think it's called Umpqua Bank now. If you, if you bank there and you write checks from there, um, you, you know where it is. But it's over in downtown Independence. And I, I think, if I remember correctly, the first time we did it, we packed 47 backpacks. Which, if you've been around, sounds laughable now, right? 47 backpacks. It was, it was, it was crazy. It, we did it at like 4 o'clock in the middle of August, which is like the dumbest thing you could ever do because we're out on pavement. It's like 743 degrees out there. And we're giving away 47 backpacks. And, and we ran out. Over the last four years, we've given out over 2,000 backpacks full of school supplies. This next year, we're slated to give away nearly 700 backpacks because of you. This is what we do. This is just what we do. Right now in our office building, there's a storage room that's half full of diapers still nine months later. <laughs> 
You know why it's full of diapers? Because DHS doesn't have room in their storage room for the diapers. Because their storage room is full. Because a couple years ago, we got passionate and had a weight that we had to, we had to be the hands and feet of God for, for the overlook that, that the, the kids in foster care, that, that they weren't the state's kids. That they were our kids, that God's called us. This is true religion to care for the widows and the orphans. And so we started doing diaper drives, and they started small. And last year, we filled a whole trailer. Floor to ceiling, we filled a trailer. And, and overwhelmed them, they were shoving diapers underneath cubicles because they had no place to put them. It's not bragging, that's just what we do. This is what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God, is to live open-handed and generous for the benefit of others, that God might be thanked and worshipped, as it says in 2 Corinthians. This is what we do. In the 21st century, in the last 20 years, because of your generosity, we have given away over a million dollars in cash not goods and services, cash. We've written over a million dollars in checks in 20 years because of your generosity. This is just what we do. The question this morning is actually a really simple one because you see, the truth is this is what we do. The question is this that I have for you is are you a part of we? Are you a part of we because this is what we do.